0: If I took the same method, subtract the yoga, did meditation and inquiry work with business people, they'd eat this up. So I came back home and I I pitched a workshop. I had 10 people show up and we meditated for the first 10 minutes.
1: So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour Podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer. Today, my special guest is Rafe Granger. And I got connected yes. about four or five years ago. So, welcome to the show. I going to tell how we got connected. Rafe is a lawyer by trade, but like most of my friends that I went to college with who were lawyers, isn't really practicing much law anymore and finding that probably his degree has helped him understand people in very different ways. But he's also been a small business owner. We were talking before the show how he is a podcaster. Um, with like thousand millions of downloads. Is millions that correct? of downloads, yep. Isn't that um, crazy? Talking about games, European style gamings like Catan and Dungeons and Dragons and et cetera. So yeah. Rafe, uh, welcome to the show. It's exciting to have you here. And I'm I am i am always excited to learn something new about people.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we got connected through a real a close colleague of mine. She lives here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, she's like, You gotta talk to Aaron and when when I started going down my coaching path, just not for a particular reason, I'm not a PT, I'm not looking to do, you know, cash based PTs, but to, um, to just connect. And so you and I have been chatted, you know, occasionally over the years and are like minded and you told me about your podcast and I'm like, yeah, I'll be on, have me yeah. on. Yeah, so. awesome.
1: Well, um, it's awesome to have you here. Can you, uh, can you share a little bit about, um, and like, who do you help right now? And like, what are you helping people do? And I want to, then we'll dive back into like how you got there.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to. And if I seem looking at you strangely, there is an audio delay where you go silent, but then all your words catch up. So if I'm ever a little bit behind, that's why.
1: Yeah, if it's not matched with my mouth, that might be one thing, but if it's like that, it's usually the internet.
0: (laughs) It's the internet for sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, who I've been helping uh, recently are business owners or people that are what I call quasi business owners. So like loan originators, financial advisors, real estate, they might not own their own real estate agency the whole thing but they're pretty much in business for themselves mm-hmm. and they've been in business for a while you know 6 to 10 years they they, they typically have you know either zero employees or like eight employees and they're successful yeah. they're they're busy but they're not happy you know their 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 business has sort of took hold of them and is running their lives instead of the other way around and the, one of the most common things I hear is like, I don't know what I need to do, Rafe, but I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how you're going to help me. They're like, trust me, I've read all the books I've tried. I don't know how you're going to help me, but but help me. You know, I'm drowning kind of thing. Yeah. That's my primary
1: person. Yeah. That's awesome. Was that you at some point? Did you struggle with something like that um, no. in your law practice? Or did you, how did you get to no. like, solving this problem? I did suffer from burnout, so I don't want
0: anybody to think I'm like, you know, perfect. I definitely got burnt out about halfway through my legal career, took mm-hmm. a little sabbatical, came back and did law office 2.0 and boy did I learn a lot. You know, getting to do it twice was like yeah. really awesome. Um, no, what happened was is I I just have this ability and desire to I'll get these epiphanies where I'll say, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I was driving in my car and I was primarily with what we called a consumer bankruptcy attorney. And so I would help people file for bankruptcy, save their homes. I loved it. I loved helping people. It was real good work. Our our bankruptcy system, there's a lot of myths, misconceptions that goes beyond the concept of this podcast for that. But believe me when I say I was helping people and I really liked it. But after about 22 years, I was like, I don't wanna do this anymore. And I said, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, I want to work with my business clients more, um, but they don't want to pay a lawyer. You know, lawyers are expensive. And so I was like, maybe I can work with them in their business and just make their business better. That was the idea. Not Mm -hmm. not knowing how or why I even have the credibility to do that. And so. As fortuitous as it was, um, one of my methods that I now teach is like, you got to go out and have connections. And I didn't know this was a method, but I've learned to just, when somebody says, go have coffee with somebody, like, like, Mm -hmm. like Carrie said to me, you should have coffee with Aaron. I'm like, sure. Um, It just leads to things. So I was having coffee with a colleague of mine. She ran an estate planning practice, still does. And, and she's like, you're going to be a coach, Rafe? I'm like, I guess. And she's like, Will you coach me. And I was like, yeah. what am I going to teach her? We're the same age. We know all the same things, but she's like, well, but you've had your practice for 20 plus years. I've only had my practice for five and it's killing me. Paralegals are driving me crazy. I can't, you know, go home at night without stress. I can't take a vacation. The thing's going to implode. And, and I, in my head, I said, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And in my head, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm, right. I'm a fraud basically. <laughs> Um, but sure enough, when I got there, I saw a lot of things that I guess I had just learned and taught myself throughout the years and had actively learned. I always believed I was a business person who happened to practice law,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not a lawyer. Who, you know what I mean? And right. so, so I'd I'd go to places like how to work with employees, how to hire, how to fire, not for lawyers, just for business people. Uh, how to read a purchase loss, you know, P&L, how to to do QuickBooks simply, whatever. And so I had gathered a bunch of knowledge more than I thought. And then the interesting thing is um, I went to a yoga training. I don't know if I ever, did I tell you this story? No, you
1: you have definitely not told me this one. All right.
0: So I went to this yoga training. My wife's a yoga teacher and owns a yoga studio by trade. And she's like, you got to go to this thing. It's called Journey into Power by Baron Baptiste. And I'm like, honey, I'm not a yoga teacher. Like, I don't want to be a yoga teacher. I like practicing yoga, but I don't. She's like, no, no, no. It's, it'll help your business. I'm like, how is this yoga training yeah. going to help my business? So I went to this training. It was out in Sedona, New Mexico. It was a week long immersion and it was yoga and it was meditation. I'd mm-hmm. never meditated before. And it was this stuff called inquiry yep. where they would pose these questions to us. There's about 85 of us. And then we'd break off in little small groups. They'd be like, hey, go sit, you know, sit with your journal answer these questions sit with your small group discuss and then come back and then when you came back they like if you volunteered they would drill you you know they, they'd get into your stuff <laughs> and you'd be watching these people up at the microphone and sometimes i'd volunteer but you know they're just having these moments and in in, in in i'm sharing i'm like that's me like they're talking on the microphone about what they're struggling with And i'm like that's me yeah well i had this epiphany halfway through i was like if i took the same method subtract the yoga did meditation and inquiry work with business people? They'd eat this up. So I came back home and I I pitched a workshop. I had 10 people show up and we meditated for the first 10 minutes. Aaron, I, I wasn't trained in meditation. I, I have only meditated eight times before that. But I'm like, well, I have a voice. I can like speak a narrative. So right. we, we meditated for 10 minutes. I was waiting for them to throw their pen, go. I want my money back. What's this crap? How can you not teaching me how to sort my in bin? Mm-hmm. and they were like that was the most peaceful 10 minutes of my life that was one and they shared and i was like oh my gosh you don't have to be this weird yogi to like this stuff regular people like it too it's kind of the spot i had right. and so that kind of launched me on my journey those two that's events. awesome
1: yeah. that's really cool i got so many questions and uh eight years ago i did a um uh a baptiste inspired training so it was led by one of the affiliate studios uh, oh, cool. here and i'm a baptiste uh not certified uh, it's called baptiste inspired yoga teacher because i didn't do it through baron baptiste i did it through one of the affiliate studios so oh
0: that's really cool yeah, yeah. but I th- I th- you're basically for- trained in the baptiste mythology then yeah.
1: yeah yeah and i and i taught it for two years two and no a half kidding. years. Probably. yeah
0: yeah so you got to go when they've got journey into power back up live level I one know.
1: I know I it was know. actually, it was on my short list of things to do this fall. Uh, but that didn't happen for um, 19 reasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I fought it for so many years. And anybody listening, you don't have to be a yogi. I wasn't a yogi. You just have to be a person. And I mean, yeah. you know, you do a lot of yoga, yeah. you know, when you're there, but, but.
1: The inquiry and the method and the, and the, the um, kind of philosophy, it. It changed the way that I was able to um, help other people. And it, uh, it found its way in my course, the Cash BD Blueprint. I mean, so, you know, if anyone's gone through it and been a Baptist teacher, they'll see those pieces, but most people won't. But it's about, what it's about like being open for opportunity, like being a yes, yes right? Being it's about, yes. you know, self reflection and discovery. So, can you share a little bit about, like, you know, I'm sure there are people listening and they're like, I don't know, what is inquiry? Like, can you, can you share a little bit about like what that is and what's like maybe yeah. the number one question that people can ask yeah. themselves? Right.
0: Yes, absolutely. I do start with that. Um there's a there's a methodology that Baron Baptiste created that we're trained in, and it's called um BAS. Um, I might be butchering some of it not perfectly off the poster, but I think of it as B A S, which I'll describe. Um, and it'll be um drop what you know. Mm-hmm. And then ready now is barren, but I change that to a question, which is what will happen if you don't. Right. So day one of my master classes is I'm going to say, Hey guys, what are you a yes for? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, what, what are you about? What do you want to have happen in your business and in your life? And then they, that's a really good prompt. And then they, they journal that. What, what do they want? And so that's kind of where I'll start as I'll say, what's happening that you don't want to have happen what's not happening that you do want to have happen and that's sort of where i stop i mean start and then they uh, they journal about that they just i guess give them seven minutes and they journal and then we'll say all right now what i want you to do is what thought belief preconceived idea is in the way that you need to drop you don't have to know how to drop it you just have to drop it you just have to see it and go i'm going to drop that you don't have to believe it you don't have to want to you just well you have to want to but oftentimes we don't believe it, you know, well, I can't get that out of my head. Well, you don't have to today. You just have to see it and drop it. And then the third question I'll ask them is, um, you know, what will happen if you don't? Right. And that usually, man, that gets people when they start to think, think about that. Yeah. And a lot of times, Aaron, you probably find this in your practice is uh, we don't like to go there. We don't want to go to that scary thought of of what will happen if we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I encourage my business people to go there because you want to examine it. You want to see it. I believe, I believe we want to, we want to lift up the rock and look at the creepy crawlies that we're scared right. of. And, right. And, and, and cause then once we see it, we can do something.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's my philosophy. Once we recognize it and admit to ourselves that it's actually there, <laughs> we can do something. About we can do it. something. Wouldn't you agree? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause we can, we can uncover the rock. Right. But well, I think Baron says remove the rocks. Right. Right, and it, um, but if we look at something we don't like it, we can ignore it and cover it back up. Yes, <laughs> yes. One of the other, I was just—I mean, this is awesome because this I didn't plan on this. Yeah, um, I was going to say,
0: guys, I didn't know Aaron and I didn't know we shared this Baptist yeah. uh, philosophy. So yeah.
1: one of the trainings I've been doing this year is um, through uh, the Warrior's Way. It's um, Garrett J. White, and he oh, talks I'm not a familiar. lot about. Yeah, I mean, I think you you'd like it. It's it's mostly like, uh, like and the way he's marketed is it, like married businessman you know um and so uh it's been really great and i'm as we're talking about this i'm seeing some of the patterns and consistencies across he speaks about certain things in a different way but one of the things he talks about is you know just you have to stop lying to yourself and baron baptiste talks about more of like defying the lie right we're mm-hmm. telling we tell stories so where are we lying and going through that this year i've been seeing more of uh where like maybe i'm lying to myself about things but also where other people, as as i learn more about myself i see where other people are lying to themselves about their business or about their wants desires etc um yes do you you see that too in people you work with like where they're just like they're they're basically just like they're not lying on purpose but they're Um, lying about like what they want or an outcome or it's like their stories getting in their way because they can't admit the truth of what they really that.
0: want. Yeah. I see that. I don't yep. it doesn't come across to me as they're lying to to themselves cuz that to me suggests they have some knowledge that it's there to then mm. to be able to mm-hmm. lie about it. Mm-hmm. It's more they don't allow themselves to even look there. Right. Or or they're feeling like they got this sense in their their breast that they're like, "Man, this is life's just not turning out the way I thought it would, but I have all these clients, I'm busy." So who am I to complain? I can't complain. it's like they, mm-hmm. they get stuck there
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and I think it's I think it's like two different sides of the very same thing and articulating how they they work together but I think what you're saying is, is is true it's like I'm not lying like a lie would be I know it's wrong versus right. like I can't even see it. I can't even see it right And I see right. it come up for people it's like I'm not even willing to listen to it Right. I'm not even willing to listen to my uh, intuition or insight about something. So I'm just Ooh, because yeah. it might be too painful. So I'm going to avoid it and that becomes the lie. Yes.
0: Yes. 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 100% see that. Right. Right. 100% see that. Why do you think we do that? Why do we do that to ourselves?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think it's fear.
1: Yeah. I think fear it's just of what?
0: Fear based. Uh, fear of failure. I never really understood that um, fear of success. Sometimes I wrestle with that one. Like, what is that? how can we fear success? Um, so if you have any insight on that, I'd love to hear that. But I, to me, I think it's feel failure, fear of looking bad in front of mm-hmm. others, fear of letting other people down. Like, oh, well, if I start this business and I fail, you know, what if I have to file bankruptcy? Like what an embarrassment and what will my spouse think? And what will my parents think? And um, yeah, yeah, I just think it's fear-based.
1: Yeah. Why, I mean, why do you think like what? And I know you're not like a psychology psychotherapist, but I mean, it's like, and maybe that's a better, better question, but why are people so afraid of doing something new that, you know, really the only upside, I mean, the downside might be filing bankruptcy. You -hmm. know, it's not like.
0: Which I'm here to tell you, by the way, is super easy. Not as embarrassing as you think and um, gives you a great fresh start. Like, you know, True. Anyway, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Like, why? if that's the worst thing, it's not like you know, like the upside could be so much greater, Huge. bigger, right? If we just that's a, a great chance. question.
0: I, I that's one of my. I have a lot of faults, trust me. But I think one of my. Someone said to me, Rafe, you're fearless about launching these businesses and things, and I'm like, no, that's not it. I don't even pause to think about the fear. I have this what I call childlike naivete where if somebody's like aaron if you're like hey let's go off into the jungle and and explore i'd be like yeah that sounds awesome now i know enough to like all right probably need some supplies you know if i get bit by a snake might want to need some snake bite but other than that i'm off rather than like oh my gosh i could get lost i could i could freeze to death i could die or whatever i don't even think about it so i would think maybe a lot of people have more forethought which. I think is a good thing, but it might get in their way. Mm-hmm. So it's not this ability for me to be like, Oh my God, I'm petrified. I do it. Like when I'm like, I don't want to do bankruptcy anymore. I'm going to start my coaching practice. I didn't even dawn on me to be like, well, what will happen if I don't, I guess I was like, well, I'll just get a job as an attorney again or something. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think we think with fears based in the future, I think. Right. So we're thinking about all, and I think this is just me. I, I'm sure I've heard this somewhere, but we as humans i think we're designed to be like ah don't go there don't touch that don't taste this don't eat that don't go on the grass we're very designed to be afraid for survival mm-hmm. and i think that gets translated into business scenarios where we're just don't 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 and don't but right. we forget to think of the positive like you were just saying of the do yeah but what if i do
1: right right that's and why I, that third
0: I... question works for me
1: yeah absolutely but that's why like Right. So it's people are motivated by, you know, going towards pleasure and away from pain. But if we are only like wired to think about like, what's the problem that might encounter if I'm, if I have a successful business, right? The fear of success is, you know, what's the problem? If, if I do this, right? What's the problem I'm going to encounter? It's just all the problems of what happens if it works. And then what happens if the problems if it happens if it don't. But if we're doing some inquiry or journaling, we're writing about and putting words to the things that we want. Yes. It's really the primary focus. Right. and
0: you just said something that hit with me i think a lot of people yes we're wired to go towards pleasure and avoid pain but what i'm noticing is i think people are getting stuck in just avoiding pain and they're not mm-hmm. going for the pleasure mm-hmm. the pleasure somehow has become oh if i'm avoiding pain that's the pleasure right and it's like no no it's not go get that fruit go get that juicy peach or you know go towards the pleasure right yeah, that's, yeah well, that's and, great. I,
1: and i see that with our like even like our patients like you know to relate this to um, physical therapists here who are you know in a clinic it's like people are motivated right now it's like well they're not in the gym or the next year's coming up it's like you know the problem's going to go away like they they they're not even thinking about well how do i become better faster and stronger you know now that i'm 45 or i'm you know i'm 47 you know i feel better faster and stronger than i ever have except on a bi- not on a bicycle cuz i'm not training for that but as a body and but our patients are focused on just avoiding the pain and waiting for it to go away. But I'm not willing to go towards what might even be better, might be possible,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I I want to hear more about. Is it dawned on me that where I'm maybe dealing with people that are eight to twelve years into their business journey, mm-hmm. you're dealing with people that are working for the wage earner, and I don't mean that in a prerogative way, but just yeah. you know they're earning a wage and they have to shift from that big leap into working for themselves. Am I correct? Right. That's you? Yeah. A majority opinion?
1: of people I work with are in like, you know, zero to five years of business. And it's yeah, zero a, to five years. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And a yeah, lot of and them that's a
0: huge that can go ahead.
1: Yeah. A lot of them do struggle with that shift in mindset from employee to, you know, business owner. And they go it from employee to self employed. Yeah. Absolutely. Right.
0: The fear of like that that concept of the regular paycheck versus now I gotta, you know, make my own own
1: way. Yeah. 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 It's uh that's that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with I think. Um you know, it's like going from employed to self-employed to business owner. And is there something different that some of the people you're working with if they've been in business for themselves for 10 years struggle with differently?
0: Yeah, they I would say that that's behind behind them. The mm-hmm. the my main populace of people are like yeah. I'm in existence. So don't ask me how, I mean, but the phone keeps ringing and I keep, you know, sometimes they'll wake up with cold sweats that like, Oh, it's going to turn off. But, but they've been, and I've been through the journey long enough to know, like it just doesn't turn off. Right. Um, it just gets busier if anything. Um, are they still tied down to doing all the work themselves? That's what's, that's what a lot of my people are shifting towards. Yeah. They either want to grow five X or eight X in what they're doing or They're so busy with the day-to-day being the technician that they um, aren't making the money that they want to make, but they're working, you know, 75 hours. Right. And so, yes, a lot of them will come in saying, I want to work on the business, not in the business. You know, that classic phrase. And that's what's so funny, Aaron. And you'll understand because we speak the same language and sorry for the people listening. You'll have to hear of Aaron and Rafe part two. Well, I wanted to have you on my podcast, but I have like no listeners compared to the other ones. So I didn't (laughs) want to waste your time, but maybe we'll do part two on my podcast. But um, uh, I lost my train of thought where I was going with that, but it'll come back to me. Yeah, that's
1: okay. Um, I mean, I'm good at, you know, talking about different things. Uh, So what is, uh, Oh, I was going to, I was going to say my, my jab would be, so they're just stuck billing people $275 for a 15 minute email and not getting other people to do it for them as lawyers.
0: Oh, you mean the, the people that I'm working with? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Internet. Oh yeah. No. Cause, cause they're not lawyers. Um, A lot of people that I work with, like, I don't actually even have any lawyers in my group. So they are more um, no, it would be more, you know, they got successful because they were good at what they did. Mm-hmm. And so, so in the beginning, they could manage that years one through three, right? But then you know that exponential issue when, when all of a sudden one tells two, two turns to four, four turns to eight, eight turns to 16. When they start to get up upwards of the clients that they can't personally manage, their next reaction is this is like year three through five. They go, well, I got to hire people, right? So they just hire somebody, but they don't know how to hire. They don't have to look for the right traits. They don't know about culture. They don't even know what they want for culture. They just hire the bookkeeper that they think is gonna impart their knowledge from their brain. They're gonna go, oh, USB download <laughs> into employee. Right. I will have perfect employee. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they've got five employees that aren't doing anything they want them to do. So they're still just as busy.
1: They don't know how to manage and they don't know how to delegate typically. Right. It's probably, I would say from from my experience working with people, it's probably the delegation that's the sticking point or higher or, and or the lack of systems versus They're hiring people rather than building a system. Right. Right. The system is delegated and it has delegation built into it. Yes. And right.
0: Yes. And I would say the work culture, you know, they have people who theoretically can do the job, but they don't do the job in the way the owner wants it done um so they didn't think of the culture or the training or what what does it look like what does my business look like what what level of customer service is acceptable what level yeah. isn't and so all that time they want to save is now just managing which isn't even going effectively and so they're making even less money and then so they have to scramble to do the client work to get paid yeah so
1: Yeah. 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 So
0: the people who have climbed out of it, my people who have climbed out of that have taken the time to be able to step back, take that fear, you know, that's their scary fear. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, if I'm going to go from 80% client work down to just 10, how am I going to pay the bills? Right. But that's what we work on that gap to be able to build their systems and their employee culture to do what they need to be done. That's awesome. That's so dope.
1: That's okay. Yeah. So I want to go back to um, something that we started on. I had a question early. You were saying that um, how could you help someone who already has a business and you know uh, maybe has been in business for five years? And you said, "Oh, but I was able to see all these different things going on, mm. you know, in her business, right?" Would you say that uh, you don't, as a as a business coach, the benefit isn't that always that? you're doing something different or something new, you can just uh, put some outside eyes on people's problems and give them a different perspective.
0: Yes. Yeah, I would say that's exactly right. Like it's not revolutionary. It's not anything other people haven't known or done. Um, it, what, I lear- what I learned is that we each don't know, we each know different things than other people know. So like, I think everybody knows what I know. Mm -hmm. but they don't and they know all sorts of things that I don't know. And so that's all it was, was, you know, I had figured out a way that to work my calendar, for example, that would work harmoniously with my life, my family, be able to get billing done. Um, My billable, this is back when I was a lawyer, billable work done, be able to tell clients no, uh, whatever it was. And, but the lawyer I was working with, she had different skill sets. And so she she didn't have that system in place. And so I'm like, well, the first thing we need to do is get your calendar straightened out. Like to me, it was as plain as day. But then it dawned on me like, well, no, she just knows different things.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that's one of the things that helps me the most is just like having someone else who understands what's in my brain, in my business, look at it and go, oh, yeah, you're doing everything right. Try this one Mm -hmm. thing. See what happens. I'm like, that's just like, that's worth every penny for me. It's worth gold. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And and like, I have a coach, you know, I have two coaches that I work with to help me see what I don't see you know, and to get me to places where I might not want to look. And he asks me questions and all that. And yeah, yeah. We just don't know
1: what I'm, I'm going to ask uh, another question about this, <laughs> but you I kind of feel like I know the answer, but I am like, what? okay. But why would people hesitate to get a business coach or a life coach or someone to help them with their stuff?
0: Well, I seem to have encountered two types of potential clients. There's the people that, um, again, they're scared. I don't think they want to admit that there's a problem. I don't think they want to admit that they're the problem. I don't want to think they want to admit that they don't know. Mm -hmm. So they just suffer. In my mind, they suffer needlessly. But then there's the second type, I guess there's three types. And then there's the second type that um, they're like, yeah, I'm a wreck. I need help. And they're actively looking and they get help. Yeah. And then I've encountered a third business person where I might look at them and say, man, they could, boy, they could go from A to C if they just did B. Mm. But that's me just being judgmental, not knowing anything. And they are happy or, or right. they appear to be happy. In other words, they're not suffering. They're just doing what they do. And it's they've, they've achieved whatever it is they want to achieve, I
1: guess. Yeah. Do you think that uh, you know people that are highly educated or sometimes... Um, have more difficult time feeling uh, like asking questions, having other asking for help, getting other people to look at what's going on. Because right, we spent our whole time in uh, school studying on our own in a cubicle or a hidden location in the library, doing it all really ourselves, and I think you know, getting A's
0: lawyers, yes, I think lawyers are very difficult to market to because of that phenomenon. Like they, you know, we learn at such a high level of understanding how to get answers in, frankly, just telling judges and people and clients what to do. Sometimes they're not very good at listening. That's why I don't particularly try to market to them or try to get them in my mind. I wouldn't turn one away. Yeah, I, I don't particularly go, I'm a lawyer, I'm going to create lawyers masterclasses. Um, but that's, again, stereotypical. So I guess if there's classes of people out there that are used to that level of thinking, it could find that. But my general answer would be, no, I'd say, no, I'd say most people, it just depends on their personality. Right. If they're coachable or not coachable. Those are the words I use.
1: What makes So what makes someone coachable and willing to be able to learn and grow
0: coachable to me means um, you're open to hearing criticism. If you don't want to, you're open to hearing feedback that you might not like to hear Mm -hmm. Um, you're willing to change. So if somebody says something to be like, you know, you know, "Rafe, you need to listen more" or something and and I go like my wife says that to me. She's like, "You're very coachable." Like she can tell me something and I'll be like, "Oh, I didn't I didn't know I was doing that." Okay. Let me let me evaluate that. Even though it could hurt a little, right? You know. Right. Um so I'd say willingness to learn. You know, here's what not coachable looks like is um, you know, I have some people that I like a lot. They're not coachable in that, well, at least They seem to listen, but they don't do.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. But
0: then when they come back around and they're still suffering from the same problems as the coach, I'm like, well, you didn't do the three things you said you were gonna do. Like, well, I don't know why you'd think the result would be different. Like, let's say it's suffering with an employee that's driving them crazy, you know? And the answer is do X and they just refuse to do X, but they're like, ah, they report the same suffering again. (laughs) Like, that's (laughs) always curious to me.
1: Right. Is that, is that the Einstein quote that says uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Different result. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. And
0: you're guilty of it, I'm sure. And we all have our blind spots and I'm sure I'm not coachable in some areas, for sure. Um but yeah, I I guess I, I interview people before I coach mm-hmm. them. So there's yeah. no like just passive way to come in. So that's one of the things I'm looking for Right. You know, in that interview is, are they coachable even within that interview? And trust me, I've had people that in the interview, they're not coachable. Yeah. And I'll just How say, do you them, know,
1: like in the interview, like what is the, what's the key or what's the, I'm, a, um, and I'm asking this for like my personal, you know, uh, learning. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like what's the key thing? The key thing would be like, um,
0: I might be say something like, Hey, Aaron, um, you know, are you open to um, exploring, you know, what inquiry work could do for you? And the answer might come back like, no, no, you don't understand. It's not the inquiry work that I need. It's, it's, um, I need help with this X, Y, and Q. So I'm like, that's interesting. I offered a solution, but your answer automatically was, well, no, that won't work. Mm-hmm. And so, but I might, you well, know, maybe they didn't hear me. So I might say something like that. Well, Aaron, you know, I'm offering you a, a potential solution. I don't know if it'll work for you, but... You know, perhaps in evaluating these questions now Ray, if you don't understand the issues this or something so then I, i'm either not the right fit because i don't understand like i'll i shouldn't even say they're not coachable it might just be i'm not the right coach right because i'm speaking in a way that they they're they're telling me i don't understand mm-hmm. so i'll begin to say well i might not be the right not in an egotistical way but i'll be like aaron i don't know if we should work together because already in this meeting, I don't feel like I've been effective. <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> For you. You, you know, know I, I get it. You know, what's interesting is um, and going back to, going back to what we were talking about before, like inquiry, I'm like, how do you be a yes? And what's possible? Like the first 25,000 times mm-hmm. I heard that I was like, are you talking like what are you talking about i'm just i'm just doing some yoga you know i'm here to do yoga okay be a yes i'm like uh, what are you up to i'm like oh i'm just (laughs) doing my thing like i'm like that's so vague but you know sometimes but it kept me guessing right it kept me trying to figure out what what it was and then i feel like i figured it out and it's really difficult to explain do you have any? insights on like, you know, like, what is it that, you know, people should be up to and what is that, hell does that mean?
0: Hmm. That's funny. Cause the first thing that came to my mind is um, what I call yogi, yogi speak. Right. Which is sometimes there's some really trained answers to that of like, I'm open, I'm open to being one with myself and I am the light and I'm going to be the light for all. And I sort of go, Ugh, and like want to <laughs> fall over. So no, I, I think the answer would be, um, like, yeah, what are you up to? My answer to your question would be like, I guess I would just, there is no answer. It would be, I would journal it and see what comes out. Right. Including um, looking at it and being like, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't, what am I up to? Like, I, this is what I would journal. I'd be like, I don't know. Right. What a ridiculous question. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm up to getting the Christmas tree. Like that's how my journaling goes. And then yeah. through that sort of open narrative, all of a sudden a page and a half later, something kind of popped out. Mm-hmm you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's it. The question itself is just answering the question, right? The goal is just to answer the question, not to have an answer. Ooh, that's really deep. Yes. That's well said. That's
0: really good. Yes. The goal is to answer the question. Right. Or even just work on answering the question.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The cool thing about yoga is because
1: yeah. Yeah. The quote the well, it's the the goal isn't to answer the question; it's answering the question, right? Not yes, to have an answer. Not to have an answer. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's but really we're good. trained to have an answer. Like you got a back pain or a legal problem. Like, well, here's the answer, and this is the reference that says what to do. And you know, and I was saying the cool thing about yoga is I'm in Baptiste yoga. It's very vigorous. It takes a lot of energy and concentration. And someone's asking, yeah, I've asked you this question in all the of yoga practice, and it's great because you're feel like you're in your body and you're not, um, my mind's not all as far in, you know, I'm not on Mars when I'm doing yoga. I might be on Mars, I'm sitting on the couch um, and I'm in my body and trying and going, wow, that's like, I don't know, know, but it is, the answer is in answering the question, not the answer itself, I think.
0: And this might be a value to the audience listening. I developed, I didn't develop this theory, but I adapted it to law practice, which was called client-centered um, therapy, but I called it mm-hmm. client-centered lawyering, which was developed by Carl Rogers. So I don't want to steal who yeah. did it, who's an American psychologist. And the, his premise is that the person has the answer to their own questions themselves. And yep. the role of the therapist is to um, guide them to it. Well, I remember as a lawyer, I was taught to dispense law. So somebody would come in and and they'd be a candidate for a bankruptcy and I would say, hey, Aaron, good news. You're a candidate for a bankruptcy. Here's why. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's what it will cost. It'll do X, Y and Q for you. And they would sort of be like, OK, but they weren't really happy or satisfied or they didn't really do much of the same things I suggested that they do do to make mm-hmm. their life easier or nothing. Well, when I switched to client-centered lawyering on that, I'd be like, so Aaron, what are you you know, most concerned about? And, uh, well, I'm really concerned about losing my house. Now, the, I know the math, they're going to lose their house. Like the math of it is they're going to lose their house. In the olden days, I would say, you know, I'd just say, look, you're going to lose your house, but don't worry about it. Like, you can get another house. A house is just a house. Well, that didn't make them feel good at all. Client-centered therapy version was like, yeah, Aaron, I got to tell you, the math of it is is that you will, but, you know, I'll fight. I'll fight for you if you want to go with it. Like, I, I I don't think we'll have a good result, but but I'm there for you. You know? Yeah. And then what I learned is when they were ready, they were ready to let the house go. And I wasn't the enemy. I was their savior mm. and, and I didn't do anything differently. Um, but it was just in the way I spoke to them.
1: Right. Oh, that's awesome. Made a that's big important. difference. So you became part of their team rather than the person dispensing bad news.
0: Yeah, I became I still dispensed the bad news but I didn't tell them anything. I'd let them experience their bad news in, the, mm-hmm. well, I told them the bad news, but I didn't say, it'll be okay, don't worry, you'll get a new house within three years, it, you know, I just let them go through that journey themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's interesting and um, is that one of my dad's mentors, Eugene Stead, he's a physician that started the Physician's Assistant Program at Duke University. So oh, neat. Old school, but he has this little blue book. And one of his sayings in the book is that, um, you know, your patient, if you talk to them long enough, they'll give you the diagnosis. Like people will tell you what's wrong if you get them to talk, you know, about their problem, right? And then they can come to the, you can help them come to the conclusion of what they need to do. Or like as a doctor, I can help, all I got to do is talk to someone and see them walk. And I know what the problem is. I don't need an MRI to tell me what's happening on the inside of their body just because what's happening on the outside is the thing. And that's the physical therapy part of me, but it's the similar thing where I'm getting the patients or customers or clients to talk about their problem and why it's important. And then we get an alignment with them.
0: And that's what, for anybody listening to this, who's like, I wanna open my own PT practice. Um, that's what I learned as a, as a lawyer. People want to be heard. Mm-hmm. They That's it. It's, they, they're not hiring you for your knowledge, believe it or not. I thought they were as a lawyer, oh, they're hiring me for my knowledge. No, they were hiring me to be heard, listened to and cared for. And the knowledge part was second. Yeah. Um, that's and awesome. so that's the answer. People will flock to you over time. When the word gets out, they're like this, you know, that PT really listened to me, right. really heard, heard what I was saying.
1: Right, or the, the lawyer didn't charge me for every email and phone conversation. <laughs> We talked. Right. I think we talked about this when we chatted a few weeks ago, right? It's like the difference between charging me for every email versus like, hey, it's just going to be five thousand dollars to do this thing for you. Yes,
0: the micromanage. Well, that's what's funny is that I thought in the bankruptcy example, they paid upfront. was just a flat fee. There's yeah. no hourly. And but I used to say, look, it's going to save you money if they would just listen to me to be like, don't worry, you're going to lose the house. Why? What? Don't cry. don't make me fight it for eight months. That's going to cost you more. Yeah. But I realized they had to go through their journey and they paid more and they were happy. Mm-hmm. I imagine it might be the same thing for PTs. You might you, People might be there like, gosh, this person's treatment doesn't need to be 24 months. I'm just making stuff up. Yeah. It only needs to be 12. But I would argue, flip that on its head, not because you're a money grubber, but because like, hey, if the person's, um, if you're listening to them and they just, they're going to go through their journey at their pace, definitely charge for it, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, how they charge? They learn from you. Um, but yeah, it was funny. I made more money when I listened to them when before i thought i was saving them money and i didn't do it for the money
1: mm-hmm. that's the yeah. funny part well that's where it comes down to having an analytical conversation versus the emotional going with the emotional why of the customer and patient client right and it's what they want at least that's right. what i found yeah is yeah. it the same for pt yeah patients? in a way it, it it turns into different um things like if someone would come to see us say hey well i want uh um you know it's i where I find that it the 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 one to one analysis would be someone might come to me and say, Aaron, you know, I have a prescription for physical therapy three times a week, um, hot packs, leg lifts, and ultrasound, and I'm gonna be like, I'm not your guy. Um, but if I said I am your guy, that person would come to see me. They might not pay my uh, cash rates because they don't understand why they have to pay cash rates when they could get that for a copay down the street. And th- where it really comes out is more of It's not about the person when we're um, onboarding patients and interviewing them. um, It's not about their body part or their are recovering from the injury. It's what those things are keeping them from doing Mm. right. That's really important. It's, it's not even just, can I get back to CrossFit? It's why is CrossFit important or why is yoga important? Mm. It's because I'm strong. That allows me to be strong, confident, and a good role model for my kids.
0: Mm -hmm. So if
1: I find that out, now that's the motivator. It's not the activity or the body part. And that's where most people miss. And they lose money is that they're just going after the body part.
0: And is there a big push? Because to me, I think cash-based PT is brilliant. Um, I think the doctor model is horrible. I think insurance, trust me, oh, by the way, do you know what class of of people don't get insurance? Lawyers, Uh right? We could have had been paid by third-party insurance hundred years ago, and we all said, no. Um, now, they hate us when we get made fun of a cocktail parties because what a lawyer's asked for money up front, retainer, right. where's the retainer, where's the money up front? And um, it gets made fun of and whatnot. But, um, you know, people want the service that they want. And if it's at a fair price, I think they'll pay for it. And so to get disconnected from insurance and that whole rigmarole is the yeah. way to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Period. It's the triangular <clears throat> relationship and no one wins in those uh, usually.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a, um, my own problem that I went to see Carrie, the, our common connection. Mm-hmm. She solved it in like two visits. Yeah, It was worth eight times what I paid cash up front on the barrel head. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody was telling me shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. She's like, mm, not your shoulder, it's your neck. And here's what we're going to do to fix it. <laughs> and I was like, really? That's it? And I did it and it worked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. She had time to probably sit and chat with you and look through your whole body or more than just your shoulder. Exactly, right. Yeah, exactly. that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And and well,
0: then and then I became a huge advocate for her. Right. Yeah. I'm like, she healed me. She healed me. So even if even if she didn't get twelve visits, which which she didn't prescribe, mm-hmm. I think she prescribed three. I did three. But my point is, but anyway, I think it's a brilliant model.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm 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 glad, you know, and uh, as a consumer, I think it's of great it. too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Um, Rafe, we're about at it. We're about at a time. Um, yeah, I could probably sit and chat with you for another hour, but uh, <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> well, we'll do. We'll say that for another day. If if someone wants to get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing, what you're up to, um, where do they find you?
0: So the easiest way would be to go to rafegranger.com and um that's spelled r-a-e-f as in frank g-r-a-n-g-e-r you can email me rafe at com. and my third place i'm not a facebooker but i do have twitter mm-hmm. you can find me um at rafegranger. awesome That works. awesome
1: cool yeah if y'all are on twitter like i haven't been on twitter in a little while other to check out like news lately um but shout us out on twitter uh, at aaron Leboward. like yeah let us know your number one insight is from this episode and um, tag us over on Twitter and we'll retweet you. Yes. I love You're that. there. Yeah. Um, Rafe, thanks for coming on the show. I really thanks appreciate this. has been awesome. And we like, I don't ever have a script, but we went, uh, into a conversation that, uh, haven't been able to have with anyone else. So, um, uh, on the show. So this is really, uh, valuable to me. So thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And, and I'll make good on that offer to come over to Rafegranger.com and we'll have you over there. And Perfect. if people want to hear more about this Baptiste thing, they can listen there.
1: Perfect, and I'd be happy to be interviewed about playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons in the middle of nowhere uh, on a Moshav Israel with nothing else to do. And we oh, and
0: on, so. oh, so we'll have to get you on my third, my other, the D six yeah. generation podcast. Yeah, I'm now. not,
1: a, I'm not a super master, but I've had my experiences, and it's uh, some fun stories. Probably, oh, so. I love it! I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, awesome, right. and well, thanks, appreciate Aaron. Appreciate you so much, and. Uh, you guys are listening to the Cash PT Lunch Hour, and it's been Aaron LeBauer, Rafe Granger, and here's what I'm going to tell you to do: go be a yes for something huge, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice, or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T. B L U E P R I N T B O O K dot com, and we you get your copy. Give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.